1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So glad to have you join us. My next guest is the CEO of a company that is one of the leading cannabis price comparison platforms with more than 3,800 legal recreational dispensaries, medical dispensaries, and brands listed across the U.S. and Canada. I'm here with the CEO of Wikileaf, Dan Nelson. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Really interesting subject we're going to talk about today. Uh, We're going to talk about just really in terms of investment and uh, the areas of stocks, IPOs, and RTOs we're going to talk about today on the program. First of all, let me go and give everybody a little heads up about WikiLeaf. It's a price comparison platform, again, for uh, adult use and medicinal cannabis consumers. You provide consumers with instant price comparison among dispensaries in their immediate vicinity. WikiLeaf displays menus and prices for adult use and medical dispensaries in seven states. That's Washington, Oregon, California, Montana, Nevada, Arizona, and Colorado. So, Dan, share with our audience more about how WikiLeaf is able to offer this type of real-time valuation while keeping up with all the changes from state to state.
2: Yeah, so, I mean... The biggest thing that we've accomplished for getting real-time prices onto the site and allowing consumers to shop based on what's in dispensaries inventories in real time is our connection with their point-of-sale software. So we have partnerships, data partnerships with the largest point-of-sale companies out there: Greenbits, Cova, FlowHub, MJ Freeway, and that allows us to just suck in that data so that uh, consumers shopping on WikiLeaf can know that what they're seeing on WikiLeaf. Will be uh, accurate and live in the store when they proceed to make that purchase.
1: Fantastic. Now, with that said, what's really the big headline that's going on right now with WikiLeaf is now it just recently became one of a handful of cannabis stocks to be listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange. Now, while your company offers customers price comparisons on local medicinal and adult use marijuana, you went. you chose not to go through a traditional IPO, initial public offering, but instead you decided to go through a reverse takeover or an RTO via a merger with with investment firm Kona Capital. Now, as we learn about the story, you spoke about how tech companies, quote, are a vastly underrepresented asset within the publicly traded cannabis sector, which makes up WikiLeaks' public debut a trailblazer for similar startups. And you also said, quote, Wikileaf will be able to provide investors with value outside of traditional licensed producers. Expand on what you're gonna be able to provide investors now with this uh, setup.
2: Yeah, so if you look at the uh, portfolio of cannabis companies on the CSE, um, you'll see that most of them consist of LPs, licensed producers, processors, as you mentioned. Also, there's a lot of MSOs, which are multi-state operators. And what they're sort of light on is ancillary companies Um, like technology companies like WikiLeaf that um, aren't exactly plant touching, but do capitalize on the industry and can scale with the industry. So if you're an investor and you've been saying, hey, I want to get into cannabis, Um, I've been wanting to get into cannabis for a long time, I know how big the industry is going to be, but because of the scheduling, you know, plant touching operations are just a little bit too much risk for me. So that's where a company like WikiLeaf or any technology ancillary company can come in and be a great plan B for that investor.
1: Very interesting. Now, coming up, I want to go ahead and take us into the whole idea of IPOs and the idea of RTOs, and if that would be a viable option for those within the industry. I want to talk about that coming up in just a moment. we with Dan Nelson, CEO of WikiLeaf, here on Blunt Business. We'll be back after this.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
1: executives and companies in the cannabis industry.
0: Plant profits only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: The National Cannabis Industry Association's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference takes place October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com and take part in the only industry trade show focusing solely on the California market hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference brings together thousands of cannabis industry leaders, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to discuss california specific regulations, market trends, policy, advocacy, and research. The California Cannabis Business Conference will also feature over 60,000 square feet of Expo Floor, showcasing over 200 exhibits. Make your plans now for NCIA's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference, October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at californiacannabisbusinessconference.com. That's californiacannabisbusinessconference.com.
0: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: We're back here with the CEO of WikiLeaf, Dan Nelson, here on Blunt Business. Before the break, I talked about, I wanted to talk about a story, first of all, that Cannabis Dispensary Mag is where I'm going to go and refer, for, refer to this story about because I want to give an explanation and give people an understanding about IPOs and RTS. When it comes to getting publicly traded for the Canadian Securities Exchange, cannabis dispensary mag explains quote to be a publicly traded company in the u.s or canada there are basically two options an initial public offering or an ipo or an rto a reverse takeover or reverse merger it might also be called in the u.s in an ipo company sells shares to the public via stockbroker in an rto a business buys enough shares to control a publicly traded shell then exchanges shares in its private company for shares in that shell the process allows the companies, the business, excuse me, to go public without having to endure the same scrutiny from regulators and investors. Dan, what made it the right choice to go with an RTO?
2: Excuse me. Uh, well, the RTO just seemed like the best path for us. It was the the best way to raise money, um, and you know, also sixty to sixty five percent of all Canadian companies start out as an RTO. Now, that doesn't mean they can't restructure later or move to a different exchange. But it's a good way to come out of the gates um, and raise some significant funding to to move forward with your business plans and operations.
1: Now, going into the story itself, it, I also know that there have been some detractors against this. There's a story I pulled up from investmentbank.com that talked about how there have been an overabundance of marijuana RTOs in the news lately. So much of the SEC has even issued a warning regarding investing in these securities. Additionally, many of the shells, both manufactured and otherwise, are explicitly restricting investment in marijuana or cannabis-related businesses. Now, in this story, they're saying that they themselves would not get into this arena for numerous reasons uh one is one factor they say is about the legality outside the sec others are typical reverse schemes and microcap issues they talk about pump and dump schemes the public float is low insiders own large amounts of stock millions raised in rtos are typically going to a small block of shareholders they talk about untested business models and roll-ups of businesses uh, having large amounts of risks involved also meaning much more volatility in the price of the stock if the company is on the pinks or the OTC it may be more difficult to get investment information to make a truly informed decision about the character of the business and performance and in some cases stories of such companies are over-touted by their internal investor relations and marketing this is by design and would typically lead to more investment and a higher valuation now obviously there's a lot to unpack there from devil's advocate point of view but if you had investors that are interested in what you're doing and they know of how WikiLeaf came in through an RTO. What would you say to these detractors?
2: Well, you know, I, I can't speak much for the uh, for the how people view RTOs. I know there have been um, certain companies that have perhaps tainted the water with RTOs. Right. Um, if you actually if you remember back in 2014, uh, when the cannabis industry first came online with uh, medicinal um, states legalizing in the U.S. and then Colorado and Washington going recreational. There were a bunch of RTOs that came out of the gates and sort of tainted the water back in 2014. So uh, I'm not surprised that I guess people have those perceptions now, but for us um, it was strictly the, the best way to raise money and it was the best way to continue to build out the platform. Um, and it was the best way to drive shareholder value for us. So uh, it made sense for us, but I'm not saying that um, you know for others it may be leery. In the same story,
1: they also talk about risk and return trade-off, and the personal feeling of this writer, which, listen, you take it, anybody can listen, listening to this can take it at face value. This is what the other side says. My personal feeling is that quote, some shells are dirty enough for litigation and liability that sticking a cannabis business into the shell only makes things more tainted. I don't agree with that at all. I know that for me, it's a matter of because they just, these. this is the kind of investor that just feels like, well, if it's not you know properly legalized and then you know they just feel like like you said there might be some companies out there that might not be handling this probably as well and they've given it a bad there's been a bad reputation in the past but I mean for really when you've gone through the process there was nothing that really felt like that felt like it would might have been nefarious or would have felt like that was not up to snuff correct
2: no, not at all. And actually you bring up a good point. Like because you are rolling into a shell company that may have had prior business operations, you absolutely have to do your due diligence into that shell and make sure that there's no skeletons in the closet, there's no li- lingering liabilities and that's a big that's a big part of it. So, you know, we knew the the shell holders, we knew how clean it was um, and it just made sense for us, but if you um, if you may if you haven't done the due diligence into the shell, um if you're if you're trying to just uh, work through things really quickly, then yeah, there could be a significant risk involved.
1: Now, I've had some internal conversations with those that were also a little bit skeptical of the securities exchange itself because, I mean, there's a lot of companies taking advantage here, and this is an opportunity to go ahead and really get through the OTC and really build up a lot of capital. And the truth is, I mean, there there are some that say that there are going to be some Canadian companies that will not last through this first uh, round of all this funding that's going on, that some companies are going to be too big, to f- they're, they're getting so big, they will fail eventually, and there will only be so many companies that will survive this. So looking at that case, I mean, we see certain companies that are already getting a bit much in, into that. I mean, you have a lot of big cannabis stocks now that are also in the New York Stock Exchange and also have NASDAQ ties. When you look at all of this right now, you know, how do you play this, uh, how do you play the market here and avoid any pitfalls that could happen that other companies might get down the line and how you might increase yourself to be like these other companies that are going to expand into other exchanges?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, for us, it's really just building the fundamentals of the company. I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. We're building out our product suite come Q4 of this year. Um, gonna s- start uh, selling brands and products uh, ba- brands and dispensaries on the product suite bringing in the revenue we've kept a lean and uh, mean team so we don't have any significant overhead um, so I think we're doing everything the right way and again we're a technology company so um, you know I think that we'll be able to move into new markets quicker than uh, bigger licensed producers ha- uh, would be able to if they had to go buy real estate in a different state or in a different province you know we don't have these sort of um, barriers to entry, you know, we can move into any state relatively quickly. You know, if Germany decides to legalize tomorrow, we can be there tomorrow too. Um, so we feel that we scale with the industry nicely and that we're, I mean, we're in it for the long haul. This isn't any sort of, um, you know, um, do everything all at once. Like we know this is a many year play. We know how big the industry is going to be. And we know that a technolo- several technology companies will come out winners in the end.
1: On top of that, I know you have quite a bit of a financial background. So, I mean, this, this all makes all proper – everything's been done very strategically and has been done with a good time frame. So, this really doesn't feel like uh, WikiLeaf is looking to try to just jump in and jump out. And honestly, it's very important for this for us on the program. I want to go and give that context for everybody out there, all the listeners, because there are those that are listening to this program that are looking to investment and also looking into – seeing if they can go public. Because I know there's some companies that listen to this program, some top-end companies that are thinking about that. And like I said, I'm taking real quick from CannabisDispensaryMag.com. They put a story out there that's called Going Public, What's the Best Option for Your Cannabis Business? Tells you a lot of great information, which is what I'm asking Dan about right now. Also, understanding U.S. and Canadian exchanges. I would also recommend that because they tell you about the CSE, the TSXV, and the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ and the chances to go on to that, which obviously we're waiting for things to happen when it comes to building a momentum to legalization. And one of the things that did happen most recently was the House of Representatives have now passed into going to to the Senate, the possible passage of the Safe Banking Act. Seeing things like that momentum really building up for an eventual legalization, you know, how do you go ahead and play out what you do next once that actually happens? Do the New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq become viable options after that for all companies, including WikiLeaf?
2: Um, I, I certainly think they become options. Um, you know, we've heard from numerous sources that there is literally trillions of dollars on the sideline waiting for, you know, the descheduling waiting for federal legalization. And I think this Safe Banking Bill uh, Act that looks like it's gonna pass is just a a segue into all these bigger movements within the industry. Um, What's interesting actually is what we really wanna see is we wanna hear what Visa and MasterCard think of this uh, response to the Safe Banking Bill because those are the, the, the companies that are gonna be powering the transactions within the dispensaries and also allowing dispensaries to get on SaaS technology models like our own and making that whole uh, payment processing more smooth.
1: That's interesting. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask about and this is my own personal thought is I did try to go ahead and invest in the cannabis when I could through. Um, I, I use the app called Stash Invest. And one of the mm-hmm. offerings I did have was an ETF. And my thing was, I put it on for about a year and I put a significant amount of money, lost. I was losing money from it and I just didn't feel like it was at least losing about 10, 15% of the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the idea that. Right now, if you look at current research, global spending on legal cannabis is expected to reach $31 billion in 2022, a 230% increase from $9.5 billion in 2017. That's according to ArcView Market Research and BDS Analytics. And the one thing was, if I, in my, in your own opinion, just from your own financial expertise, is it a good time to possibly go ahead and put money into a marijuana stock exchange-traded fund? I mean, or is it good to go and try to put it in and wait for that long play to see what happens, or do you think it's probably too soon to invest?
2: Um, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, then I don't know if like timing is necessarily that um, makes that big of a deal. I mean, if you're going to invest, you know, if you're comfortable with the industry in 10 years, invest now. Six months from now, in the end, it won't make too much of a difference. And if you're a company that's looking to, do an RTO or even IPO on the CSE or any exchange, and you're a cannabis company. You know, I don't, I wouldn't get too wrapped up in market sentiment and trying to time things with the overall market because just listing, even as an RTO um, company, is a, is quite a cumbersome process. I mean, it's like about. Nine to twelve months long, with this sort of culmination of like three to four months of heavy, uh, three to four weeks of heavy back and forth with lawyers towards the end. So it's this kind of this big Titanic ship that's kind of moving in one direction. And when you set out uh, to to list, you don't know what the market sentiment is going to be nine to twelve months um, in advance. So you just have to do what's best for your company at that time, and know that it's a long term play.
1: Now. The fact that you made the play for an RTO, I want to also just put a little more context to the listeners. And so give me just a minute while I go ahead and explain this, Dan. So I want to also take what this particular article talks about, is that the biggest advantage of an RTO, according to experts that were interviewed for this article, is timing. A reverse takeover typically takes three to six months to complete including identifying a shell company, beginning a due diligence process, and determining the stock ratio and range. In sharp contrast, IPOs can drag for more than a year before the trading debut because underwriters need to pour over a private company's financials, liabilities, and assets to intelligently price the stock because federal regulators must examine every document to determine whether the firm complies with securities laws and regulations. With an RTO, the due diligence review process is simpler and can be completed in less time. While companies still need to prepare an information circular for an RTO, the shell company with which they strike a deal already has listing status and is presumably operating within the guidelines of Canadian securities. So an IPO, an underwriter's commission can be as high as 7% for an offering, or an RTO, you might not de- you need, you need to engage an underwriter at all. So it's just I understand where the uh, process goes. And also, for companies that have only been around for so long, there's only so much history to go back on. And then having the backup of a shell company to go ahead and prop up a company, that does make a lot of sense for those for companies that are interested to go public to go RTO. And that's why, right now, 65 and 70% of Canadian companies make their public debut through RTOs. So... Do some of those, all that that's been written right there, does that kind of go and lock up with the same thought process you had for what WikiLeaks decided to do?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I know the time frame that you said, you know, three to six months, I guess, for an RTO and closer to 12 months for an IPO. Right. Um, you know. Cannabis companies, first of all, are going to have a little bit more uh, back and forth with OSC. There's going to be some more questioning that comes back just in general, and especially for our case, if you're operating on the U.S. side of things, you're going to have to get things also signed off on US, by U.S. Council on this side of the border. So it can add to the timeline. And also of course, you know, the due diligence aspect plays into it in a major way. because you are rolling into a shell, as I mentioned earlier, you want to make sure that thing has no skeletons in the closet, it's totally clean. Um, For us, we got a nice new shell or not a new shell, but a relatively new one and we kind of knew everything about it. So it made sense. But if you don't have that option available and you're getting, you know, one of these older mining shells that are pretty prevalent in Canada, you know, you really got to dig back and make sure that that thing's clean and ready to uh, bend into.
1: Fantastic. Now, let's go ahead and go back out to another commercial break. Again, I'm here with the CEO of WikiLeaf, Dan Nelson, here on CannabisRadio.com and Blunt Business. We'll be back with some final thoughts in just a moment.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
1: It's time to hem present, only on Cannabis Radio.
0: the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp ink!
2: That cancer is preventable.
0: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob, Only on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with CEO of WikiLeaf, Dan Nelson, here on Blunt Business. And, Dan, I researched a report And I'm trying to find out again where I had that pulled in from. This is from castlesbrock.com. Now, there is a report that they had that was titled, A Primer for U.S. Cannabis Companies Contemplating Going Public in Canada Accessing the Canadian Cannabis Ecosystem. They mentioned the following. The business case is straightforward. Canada is the world's top source of public venture and growth capital for cannabis companies. Under current circumstances, the listing of a U.S. cannabis company in Canada will provide a higher valuation than remaining private in the United States, which will lead to greater access to capital and will provide a currency with which to acquire other U.S. and Canadian cannabis companies. What see you about that evaluation? Does that kind of roll into why you decided to go forward into investing with a Canadian company?
2: Yeah, we knew the valuations were uh, better on that side of the border. Um, We also know that the CSC in particular is leading the way worldwide to funding uh, cannabis businesses, entrepreneurs um, and the like. So it just made sense for us. And again, you know, we we were able to bring in the money this way and it's just heads down building out the product, building out the sales team, the sales apparatus, um, you know, and in the long term we'll be we'll be fine. So so it was just bringing in money for us and continuing to build.
1: I want to go and talk about WikiLeaf and go back on the platform before we close things out. But one more other question I want to ask was for companies that are looking to, that are going through the rigmarole right now of going through seed funding, seed rounds, venture capitalists, and really just trying to go ahead and bring in new investors, might have a struggle trying to bring in new investors that have failed because there are those that are hesitant. Um, If you want to give just a couple of tips as to why, uh, what companies should do like Wicked Leaf did before you determined to go ahead and go the route and go toward to Canada to try to get into the current Canadian securities exchange and to get into that type of funding and go into an IP or an RTO and try to go public and go that route. What are some tips you can give our listeners that they should do precautionary?
2: Um, well, precautionary tips before you're going to list in Canada. I mean, the one thing is going to be if you're with the RTO is to, to make sure you've got good partners on the shell side. Um, you know, we, we, we're in a, a fortunate position because uh, WikiLeaf, the majority of WikiLeaf was actually acquired back in 2015 by Nesta.co, which is a Canadian private equity firm. Um, so that made operating on that side of the border um, to list, uh, I guess, easier than it would be if we were just all um, on the US side. So because the ownership is uh, up north um, from the beginning, it made it made things a lot simpler and just made more sense for us. Now that's not everyone's circumstance but for us it was it was a kind of a no-brainer
1: fantastic now i'm at the website wikileaf.com w-i-k-i-l-e-a-f dot com and you can do a full i mean it's it would you basically say it's more or less like a search engine because really you have a full directory to where you can browse dispensaries strains brands and news and you know there's so many dispensaries you go through now also i guess You also expand outside of uh, just the seven states I mentioned at the top of the show. Give me the experience as to where people can go, uh, what they can also find out if they're doing a search when they go to the website.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, so we're in 25 states plus Canada. So, and we're currently right now, um, we're building out our individual product pages so that we have every license SKU that is allowed to be sold in the U.S. on our platform. So, You say, you talk about us being a search engine now. When we um, launch these product pages, you'll be able to look for any individual product that you want, find out who has that in their inventory in real time, and then run a price comparison at that very granular level. So we're sticking with our overall objective of a price comparison engine, but we're bringing it down on a per-product basis. So what we're finding, actually, and why we're driving the product in this direction is that um, now that the industry's matured, people are actually having favorite brands and products, Back in the early days, people kind of hopped into a dispensary and left it more or less up to the bud tender to kind of help them choose what they want. But now that the industry, especially here in Washington State, has been around for several years, people now have favorite brands. They go into a dispensary looking for an exact product that they know they want. They know they've used it before. They know they like it. And we're out allowing people to find out find out who has these products in their inventory right now and what prices they're charging.
1: Fantastic. So with this... Um you're in 25 states and Canada, and at one point, what's next to to be done in terms of uh, adding more content? I mean, how is the, the content being vetted and brought in? Um, are there, give me an idea of just the kind of expense of uh, what you need to do in order to keep this constantly updated.
2: Yeah, so the nice part about, for the dispensary side of things is we have, uh, as I mentioned, syncs with um, the dispensary's point of sale software. So we have the yeah. uh, partnership relationships with the partnerships with those point of sale companies and then we just um, uh, reach an arrangement with the dispensary where they um, grant access to the API, we suck in that data and then that's, that data is reflected on their WikiLeaf page. So that's more or less updated in real time. Um, we're also breaking a lot of news now on the blog. We have journalists up on Capitol Hill that are um, breaking real stories and we're getting, um, you know, that linked to from NBC News and other places that are citing us as a source. Um, so that's how we're kind of keeping the content compelling on the blog side. And then the strain part of our content is mostly crowdsourced um, based on how um, people are reacting or um, feeling um, from these strains that we publish.
1: Also notice that also following public debut, you're mentioning how ex- operations are going to expand in the United States, satellite offices and areas with high dispensary densities, uh, more adding new product pages, allowing consumers to find their favorite cannabis products in nearby dispensaries. A lot that you're doing right here it's really wonderful and for those that might be interested in possibly getting involved and possibly investing into wikileaf or really just take people where they should go best social media sites uh, and the website itself what things people should be looking for as they're looking out for wikileaf so they can learn more after this show
2: um, yeah, I mean, I would just go to Google News, look for WikiLeaf, and see what other people have written about us um, in the past. I mean, we've launched, we launched in 2014, so we've had a ton of industry coverage um, throughout the last five years. So you'll kind of be able to piece together our story just by doing some searches and, and reading up about what other people have published about us.
1: And I guess uh, – <laughs> well, now, the other thing, I guess, is um, when it comes to the offering – Is there any change at all in terms of uh, what financials you need to show, what kind of uh, quarterlies you have to show on a regular basis? Is that transparency uh, consistent with an IPO? Uh,
2: For the most part, it is. Yeah, we'll have to give quarterly updates, board calls, um, everything that you would kind of expect of a publicly traded company moving forward. So. Um, yeah, that, that'll that be the same for us.
1: Well, I guess that was the one thing you're ho- – <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's something I would look forward to every three months to have to deal with Is Not necessarily there's nothing – we're not nothing to brag about, but just how they go through the paperwork and the rigmarole of that every every four times a year. That's got to mm-hmm. be a little bit of work, and who knows if you have to bring in people to kind of help out with that to make sure everything's uh, shown and all that extra paperwork is done because that's the only thing I would have to imagine. But hopefully the money comes in. And things go well, and I hope you guys do really well up there uh, with the RTO. And I wish the best for WikiLeaf. Dan Nelson, again, CEO of WikiLeaf, thanks for being with us here on Blunt Business. I really appreciate you helping us give a good tutorial on IPOs and RTOs for us.
2: Thanks. I appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah, really do appreciate it. And listeners, again, thank you for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business. You can find past episodes by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening.